0: The podcast this week is brought to you by Peninsula Filmworks. Shocking stories, crazy stories, moving stories, but mostly authentic stories from the people of Door County. The craftsmen, the artists, the entrepreneurs, the characters. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to bringing you stories from across the county via exclusive video content available online at peninsulafilmworks.com, doorcountypulse.com, and on your social media platform of choice. welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we'll talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you'll find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Jackson Parr, Assistant News Editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Jackson? Not too bad, Andrew.
1: Thanks for having me back on.
0: Good. How was your
1: 4th of July weekend? Uh, It was long. I work at the Whistling Swan over in Fish Creek, the restaurant, and uh, it was a busy weekend. Week, Week and weekend, to say the least.
0: Yeah, there was, uh, I drove through Fish Creek a couple times and just traffic like you wouldn't believe the whole week Um, with the fourth happening on a Wednesday. It's like nonstop from the weekend before to the weekend after.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I thought that the whole Wednesday thing was going to throw it off a little bit, but really it was just busy every single day.
0: Right. Well, and then Sunday became the grand exodus from the county. Like there, I I heard that there was traffic from the stoplight before Sturgeon Bay all the way up to the farm.
1: I don't even want to think about it. Yeah,
0: Exactly. (laughs) Uh, so, you uh, you over the weekend were at a couple different uh, town board meetings in Gibraltar talking about the new beach and specifically the new beach house that's going in. Can you tell us a little bit about what was discussed?
1: Yeah, so Monday night, the town board or the town electors met, uh, which is roughly all residents in the town, uh, to approve construction of a bathhouse at the Fish Creek Beach. So, about a year and a half ago, the town purchased the property adjacent to the current Fish Creek Beach with plans to construct bathroom sites. Uh, Right now they have porta potties at the beach, which setbacks from the bay and setbacks from the highway make it so they can't really construct anything. But with this new property, they are now able to Actually, do a brick and mortar bathroom facility.
0: Sure, and you can see um, some of the diagrams and some of the renderings of of what this plan is on the Door County Pulse website. But can you kind of help us visualize a little bit about what this actual expansion is? So you've got um, you've got forty two going, and then there's the parking lot with the the playground and the beach as it is right now, just that kind of square lot. What would this expansion expand to?
1: So this is the lot. We'll call it immediately north. If you're heading north on Highway 42, it's immediately north of the current Fish Creek Beach. There was a house there that the town also purchased. They tried to determine if it could be repurposed. Basically, building inspection came back and said, this is not going to be good for public use. So they went ahead to removing the structure that was there and now are proposing construction of a new bathhouse that would be... Feature two unisex bathrooms: a men's room, a women's room, and then a, a gathering space uh, for approximately 25 people. Groups could rent it out. Uh, it does not look as though that proposed structure will take shape. So the meeting on Monday night, the town electors came came together. There was two to three hundred people uh, packed into the Gibraltar High School gym, and the electors rejected the proposed bathhouse structure. Right.
0: So I I think it's important to say, too, that you you had written your article, I believe, on the 6th about um, the vote coming up and then the vote happened on Monday. So really quick turnaround for this one.
1: Yeah. And the town got criticized for that. I mean, they they were the town was presented with the renderings and the cost estimates at their meeting last Tuesday. So a week ago from from this recording on Friday, they sent out a mailer to all Stockholders holders and residents in Gibraltar saying, meeting Monday night, here's the rendering, here's the cost estimates, show up and vote yay or nay. And the town caught some flack for feeling like there was a quick turnaround of that. I mean, Tuesday to Monday, sending out the mailer three days before the meeting.
0: Right. And I, I'm sure on one hand, a quick turnaround is good because it means that things are getting voted on and things are moving forward. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, you get this mailer in your mailbox Friday and then the vote is the following Monday. That is a pretty it's you know to get there and and vote that might might be a struggle,
1: yeah, everybody's got different opinions. I mean, I don't know if anyone could say that government works quickly ever so this this felt like a little bit quick of a turnaround to bring this to uh the town electors sure and uh so the
0: the bathhouse, like you said um bunch of of bathrooms and a, a public gathering space and all of this to say, even even with the vote and everything, this has all been part of the plan uh, for almost two years now. So when the the proposal was first brought up, all of this stuff has now come from that. But then I guess my question is, um, you know, Sister Bay just redid their beachfront property. I'm wondering if this is in reaction to that in any way. And then also with Egg Harbor's new community center, the Donald Crest Pavilion, or the Donald and Carol Crest Pavilion. Um, now this has a public meeting space into it? Is there is there some element of keeping up with the Joneses or did all of these things happen around the same time? What are your thoughts
1: on any of that? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, someone spoke up the meeting last night and said basically that Fish Creek is not a beach town, as you would think of like a sister bay, where where the beach is such a massive part of the downtown infrastructure. I mean, Fish Creek's beach is it's popular and it's full on every nice summer day. But this gentleman basically said there's so much else going on in Fish Creek that we we shouldn't necessarily make such a massive public investment in our beach. There are other assets that the community has that, sure. that are possibly more valued
0: by the visitorship. Yeah, and pretty much every town up here does have waterfront, but you wouldn't consider every town to be a waterfront town a yeah. destination,
1: and this the stick. So the the cost for the bathhouse would have been approximately eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and there was a little bit of sticker shock on that. People were wondering, hey, I mean, what bathroom costs that much? Uh, so there was some pushback on trying to lower the price. Uh, that whole gathering space concept didn't quite stick with a lot of people. They they felt that we currently have two porta potties at our beach. All we want is to be able to flush the toilets. Like that's fine. We sure. just need a solid bathroom facility at the beach we don't need the bathroom is the priority
0: the extra stuff is nice but let's get the bathroom figured
1: out first exactly so so that was kind of the what i would say is the major sticking point for a lot of the people that were were opposed to the proposed structure and it, it it got voted down pretty handily it was uh so it got voted down 153 to 58 and what's funny to me is that the purchase of the property itself about a year and a half ago, so that the town electors had to come together to vote on the purchase of just the property itself. And that was like a landslide. It was like 250 to 30 or something like that. So it's interesting to see the the support at the time from the town electors saying, we know this is a valuable property, good investment for the town, but they didn't quite latch on to this structure that was proposed by the town.
0: Sure. And that's interesting, I think, because you you definitely have people on one side of like, yes, let's build, let's expand. And then you have people that are on the other side of that saying, let's keep it the way that it is and preserve what we have. But then you have a vote like this, which stems from more of a, a progress-based uh, purchase. And now this is much more middle ground. It's, you know, yes, we're doing this, but let's do it uh, a specific way. Or let's focus on getting things done under this price point, and so it's kind of interesting because you you always have um, advocates and opposition about any sort of you know work project or, or new construction up here. But then you have this, which is us. Yes, we're going to do it, but let's try to do it this way.
1: Yeah, and one of the arguments some of the town board members made was approximately ten years ago, the town expanded what we would think of as behind the post office in Fish Creek. And they had the option, I think it's 20 years ago, to. they had the option to do that when the post office and library itself was built and the town electors voted not to. Building it roughly 12 years later meant it was a lot more expensive than it would have been originally. So there was a little bit of that, it's never going to get cheaper than it is today. Let's build this out. Let's do it right and be done with it and not leave future taxpayers on the hook for a possible expansion that we may want to do but obviously that argument didn't quite swoon everybody everybody over at the town meeting sure and and this this vote is is one of the only votes that's going to be
0: made on the rest of the proposal correct so they voted on the the beach house but the rest of the plan um that's all going to be the 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 electors
1: correct so it's a little nuance the towns function differently in the state of Wisconsin than cities and villages towns have a little bit less The boards have a little bit less autonomy, so whenever a town wants to purchase a piece of property, construct a building, or approve the budget, they have to bring everybody in, every resident, every town elector, they call them, to vote on that. But otherwise, other town business is just up to the elected town board. So things like the planning and the landscaping for this lot, or... The types of street poles that are going to go in on the highway project, that is all under the purview of just the town board, the elected town board, which is kind of an important point to make. But um, the town electors themselves do have a role in approving the construction of the bathhouse because it is a construction of a building. Gotcha. Uh,
0: Is there any any last words that you want to say about... Um, the vote or the, the project itself moving
1: forward? Yeah, I mean, I imagine that the town's going to go back and probably try to downsize the structure a little bit. Get a, I guess the meeting was supposed to be a vote on the project, but it definitely became a public feedback opportunity for the town to hear what the public felt about the proposed structure. I imagine they're going to go back to the engineers and say, hey, we got to make this thing a little bit smaller, maybe take out this or that amenity and bring it back in the coming months. I know that they want to try to align it with the highway reconstruction that's going to take place next spring, just so they don't finish the highway and then have to tear up this highway front property. So they're a little bit under the gun as far as getting it, getting this thing moved along and approved, but I imagine we'll be seeing the town electors coming back together in the next couple months for another, another approval.
0: You were at the meeting. Did, would you say that the vibe there was, was less um, about voting yes or no and more about, like you said, offering that feedback and trying to compromise? Was that kind of how it
1: felt? Well, generally, people were supportive of the idea that they want bathrooms at the beach. The $850,000 price tag and what a lot of people felt were superfluous add-ons to what should just be a very simple bathroom structure. That's where a lot of the I don't want to say anger, but the opposition came from there was a little bit of anger as as there usually as there
0: always is. Cool. Well, moving on, um, another big event uh, that's coming up this weekend, actually. And uh, Matthew Marcon and I talked about this for the weekend primer podcast on Wednesday is the Door County Triathlon. So when Matt and I talked about it, it was you know, specifically as an event that the two of us do not participate in, nor do we know much about. But you have participated in the triathlon a couple of times in the different events that go along with it. So can you tell me a little bit about how it works and and how you've, you know, participated and your preparations and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, I like to say that I'm uh, retired from triathlon now. I'm You know, I'm 26 years old and people always get Good. a kick out of that. But uh, I, I raced the Door County Triathlon and across the country for about six or seven years. And I would always do this, the sprint, the short distance on Saturday, and then the half iron, the longer distance on Sunday. I would usually do both just because, I don't know, I was around for the weekend. So why not? Sure. Can you, how long is a half iron and how long is a, an Ironman? So we'll start with the Ironman. An Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike, and then a marathon. So a 26.2 mile run half iron is half of that so 1.2 mile swim 56 mile bike and then a 13.1 mile run. All right, that's still even a half iron sounds impossible to me. Yeah, I, I think it it does take a certain kind of person. I mean, I'm one to to believe that anyone with a I always used to joke that anyone that trained as much as I did could complete compete it. I mean, I spent many an hour uh on my bike in the pool running on the road so I I I always say that I I better have been good at it with the amount of time that i put into sure. it and you've done both half irons and iron man i did do the uh Ironman in madison in madison wisconsin in 2014 and i might be eyeing it next year we'll see if i uh if i come out of my triathlon retirement okay
0: what makes doing a triathlon in door county different from some of the other races that you've run
1: well door county's i mean it's got a great infrastructure, particularly for cycling. I mean, if you think about trying to cover 56 miles of, of road, you might run into some bumpy roads elsewhere. But but the race course in Door County is great. I'd say most years it always tends to be brutally hot for some reason. I don't know if that's just the years that I've done it. Um and what's also fun about Door County is swimming in in the bay, which is a lot more rough than a lot of triathletes are used to. So Outside of like Ironman, Florida, which is in the Gulf of Mexico, most triathlons take place in pretty calm lakes, but a lot of people, particularly maybe the weaker swimmers can show up to Frank Murphy Park and get a little nervous when they see some whitecaps out there. I mean, there's been some rough, I think it was about four or five, it was four or five years ago, was probably some of the roughest conditions I've ever swam in. And they just, I mean, the, the lifeguards and the boats out there, they were just yanking people out of the water and it was, they did a great job. But that's kind of part of what makes it so fun. Sure.
0: Um, okay, so coming from somebody who doesn't know much about it at all, can you tell me, like, from the time that the, the gun goes off to when you cross the finish line, what is running a triathlon like?
1: So in the, the, the swim, I was always dreadfully nervous, particularly for the swim. Do you start with the swim? Start with, always start with the swim. Okay. You don't want tired people at the end of their long day. That makes sense. In the deep water. Um so I was always dreadfully nervous for the swim. I was never a strong swimmer. I ended up being able to keep up with the front group, but really the goal for the swim primarily is to swim in a straight line, which the first time I did the first triathlon I ever did was actually the Door County Half Iron and I had never swam in open water before. Like the race started, so I you know, you look down and you're like, "Wait a minute, where's that big black line?" At the bottom, like you'd see in a pool where I can just follow that. Totally freaked out. I think I was last out of the water for that race. That was my first triathlon ever. Done a little bit better since then. But, yeah, the swim is just a matter of, like, keeping your head down, keeping straight, trying to stick on someone's feet so you go the right direction, try not to get kicked or elbowed in the head too much.
0: Yeah, I mean— some of the some of the races my wife has started racing this year. Some of the races that I've gone in the trails that or the roads even that, that people are running on, I I find it hard to imagine trying not to like bump into people when you're running. So I can't even imagine what it's like when you're all swimming.
1: Yeah, the swim can be can be harsh. I mean, Door County does is is pretty good because it's such a big body of water and they do the wave starts. But like Ironman is known for their mass start. So you have 2,000 swimmers in the water, and they fire a gun, and everybody's throwing elbows. I mean, that's right. it's go time. So you get out of the water, and then it's what, onto the bike? Out of the water, onto the bike. Uh, I mean, to get into the weeds a little bit, usually you spend the first couple miles of the bike getting used to being in an upright position. So you, you just spent a half hour to an hour horizontal in the water. Uh, and sometimes you 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 get up you get a little lightheaded kind of need to find your legs right. so i always took the first couple minutes to get used to the the change in body stress and really just to make sure i'm not going too hard i mean it's a long day particularly the half iron mm-hmm. so you want to make sure you're not burning out too early but the course is great i mean that that county g and b heading down towards sturgeon bay it's just like a flat freeway for a bike. It's just super fun. Uh, going through downtown Sturgeon Bay is great. There's always a lively crowd there. And then as you start coming back into Frank Murphy Park, again, those last couple miles of the bike, kind of getting ready, like, I'm going to have to run a half marathon right now. What do I need to do to prepare for that? Right. Well, and
0: and I, I used to ride my bike to and from work, and going to work was great because it was all downhill. But coming back from work was always the part that you know, it was challenging. So, I mean, it's good that the trail is mostly flat because that's not the case all over the place in Door County, especially if you're cutting through the middle of the peninsula. Some of those roads are are steep hills.
1: There are two hills on the run course that are pretty, they're pretty sizable. There's one coming up right from the water to just north of downtown Egg Harbor. And then another one down towards kind of the shallows where you go back up the bluff. They they mentioned running up the hill on the website. How how does that compare
0: to, say, the hairpin in Fish Creek?
1: You know, the second hill, I think it's at, like, mile nine, uh, is brutal. It is—it's a heart—it's really a heartbreaker because it's tw- also towards the end of the race. Right. So well, And towards the end of the whole day, too. Yeah, so honestly, the, the last four miles of the run on the half-iron course are brutal. I mean, it's—so you got this— steep climb up towards the top that like flattens out a bit and then kicks up again and then you turn and it kicks up again and then those last like three miles are there's no shade it's just a long straight flat road and it it can it can mess with you it can mess with your mind towards the end of the day now is that where the the wall comes in is that
0: I've heard the term and I've seen the movie.
1: The wall exists. Yes, the wall uh, definitely does exist. It's somewhere up on the bluff uh, just north of Frank or just outside of Frank Murphy Park. Um, And I don't I mean, I don't even know how to explain it in words. But mentally, the trick I would always use is either use trees or light posts or whatever you have to just get that far and just keep the pace like, you don't think about, oh, God, I have four miles left. Yeah, you, you segment think, everything You off. think, like, all right, if you can just keep it up till that tree, awesome. You get to the tree, you're like, let's go for that tree. And you just basically keep doing that mm-hmm. until uh, you find the finish line. Crazy. I, I could not, like, I was talking with Matt. Uh, Matt's
0: a big golfer. And we were like, well, you know, golf, that's a really athletic sport, too. And he was like, yeah, I'll probably be just as exhausted at the end of my golf game as these runners
1: are going to be. You know, I will say... I played nine holes last year, and I hadn't played golf in years. I was so sore. And, like, I can, you know, I could probably run a half marathon at the drop of a hat. Can't can't even go to the driving range without waking up sore. See,
0: that's why we need to talk to you more instead of just us being like, oh, well, we love Marvel movies and video games and what is running. So... <laughs> It's good to have uh, what, who I'm
1: calling the triathlon expert in oh, the yeah. with me now. I, I don't know if I can keep that title for much longer in my retired state, but... Well, you just need to come out of retirement every
0: year. Exactly. And then it'll yeah. be a big story. Yes, yes, yes. Is there anything else that you can share with us about the upcoming triathlon?
1: Uh, the beer is very good at the end. It's uh, definitely the best part of the day. I would imagine it's a reward after all. It's it. uh, it's nice and cold. They keep it cold for you. Cool. Well, thank you so
0: much, Jackson. We're going to move on to our feature. We're talking food with Aaliyah, uh, specifically the opening of Taco Cerveza this uh, this month. So uh, we're going to pass it on to there. But thanks a lot for chatting with me, and we'll see you again soon. Yeah, it was fun, Andrew. Thanks. Okay, we are back with Aaliyah Kidd, our multimedia editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How are you, Aaliyah? I'm doing good. Good. How was your Fourth of July?
2: It was great. It was busy. Lots of people up here, of course.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Did you do anything special this year?
2: Uh, We had a family dinner and just enjoyed being outside since the weather was pretty nice.
0: Great. That's the way to do it. Um, You have been writing a series of articles for The Pulse uh, focusing on food, and you've been kind of doing this really interesting thing with it. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've been approaching these articles and also some of the things that you've been writing about?
2: Yeah, I mean, up here in Door County, there's so many, so many places to go and enjoy food in a lot of different ways. So there's really something to offer everybody. And I'm just trying to highlight all of that different variety and how you can use the different products, either if you're going to a shopping mart and bringing up something home with you or going out to eat with friends and just the different ambiances you can find too.
0: Right. And, and these articles, they're not necessarily reviews, but they are kind of... Um, you're you're creating an experience, so right. you're you're definitely highlighting um, certain shops or different foods that you can get up here. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it in a way that um, creates a dish. You're mm-hmm. you're you're locally sourcing meals, correct? Right.
2: Yeah, and I try to tie in some of the story behind it. You know where their product came from, if it is uh, you know local, uh, locally made product you know, and just kind of giving some of the background, basically.
0: Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the articles that you've written and also what your goal was setting out to write them?
2: Yeah. So something I just highlighted uh, this last week was going to the farmer's market and um, I found... Lola's spicy cheese bread, which reminded me of my college days when I would go to the farmer's market in Madison and um, eat Stella's spicy cheese bread. So it's a very similar, well-loved item. So having that up here, I just kind of highlighted the fact that you could go pick that up. You could serve that on the weekend as a light lunch, or you could eat it right as you're walking around. It's just a really yummy treat to have. And most people probably aren't familiar with that if they're just coming up here for the weekend, but. Let's see, another one I just wrote was highlighting the Door Artisan Cheese Company, which they are in full production of cheese right now, which they weren't when they first opened. Mm -hmm. So now their shelves are stacked full of all of the cheese that they're creating in-house, and there's some really fun varieties. And if you didn't know already, Um, one of their cheddars won a great award at the World Championship of Cheese. So that's worth highlighting too.
0: Right, so we can say that Door County is home to the best cheese in the world, right? Mm
2: -hmm, Yeah, Wisconsin has so many cheeses to offer, but it's really cool that there is actually a cheese maker up here now, and that's getting recognition.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I particularly enjoyed that article because you set out to create a cheese board, Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of talked about you know, how you put together a cheese board. I didn't know that there was kind of a science between Uh crafting a cheese board. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean sometimes you see those photos of those just like really, really beautiful cheese boards. And it seems very intimidating to try and pick out what cheeses you want to use. But um, my rule of thumb is really just picking three different varieties that kind of highlight the different cheeses available and hits everybody's um, you know favorites. So there's like the, the cheddar and the more classic cheese boards like the Colby um, or Munster. And then I like to include a, a fresh variety. So whether that's a soft burrata, or goat cheese or feta and then including another Asiago or something a little bit softer. Um, so it gives you those different textures, those different flavors, and then you can mix in sweet and savory with some of the fresh too.
0: You you also wrote an article about the McAvoy's uh, delicatessen. Mm-hmm, now that yep. wasn't on my radar until I read your article. Can oh, you tell yeah. us a little bit about them?
2: Yeah, it's the, the reason I found them was um, last summer— We were getting married up here and I needed to feed a group of people. And so I was looking for a quick and easy catering option that was great for lunch option. And... They're located right south of Sister Bay, so really easy to stop in there, and they can create custom meals for you. So we had some gluten-free people that needed some gluten-free options and vegetarians, so they were really helpful putting together a menu for that. And it turned out everything was super, super delicious, and everything is just, I, I was very impressed.
0: They do um, they do made to order sandwiches, mm-hmm. um, but they also do paella. Yeah, and we've talked about their paella on the podcast before because mm-hmm. I've had it at the the pulses um, big party that we have every year. Um, I've seen it at Uncorked, um, and now I finally know. Oh, that's where it comes mm-hmm. from. That's where the paella is.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting history. He started um, as just a in home chef and doing catering events, and then he's gotten really popular doing his paella, Scott McAvoy, Um, but they just, they had opened the Delicatessen, um, I think, two years ago, or this is their third season, so... So they're just growing and growing, clearly.
0: Cool. And now this Friday for The Pulse, you're writing an article about Taco Cerveza. Mm-hmm. This is the the people behind Wickman House and Trixie's. It's their new restaurant in Fish Creek. Can you tell us a little bit about what you learned?
2: Yeah. So right on the corner as you're going down through Fish Creek's uh, main main drag there.
0: Yep, this would be where Stillwaters used to be for people who know Stillwaters.
2: Right, so a very popular destination there. Um, They've got the open patio, which they just renovated to make really give it a really cool beachy vibe and it's very Fresco. I felt like when I was there I was sitting on a beach bar in Mexico almost it reminded me of because they have they have a ceviche taco they have um, Korean flavored tacos inspired tacos they have Door County inspired tacos of course with white fish um, so they serve a quite unique variety of different types of gourmet tacos they're calling it.
0: And the second part of the name cerveza mm-hmm. um, they also have a a bar Mm -hmm. that you can sit at and you can get your tacos and your drinks. Um, Really great dining experience, especially if you're just going there for the bar, because you get to kind of like um, Al Johnson's new. uh, Stabur. Yes, the Stabur outdoor Mm -hmm. bar. It kind of gives you the same feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And the guys at Wickman House and Trixie's, they have a very fresh, young vibe. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the kind of same thing that you get at Taco Cerveza.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Go ahead. And when I was sitting at the bar, um, I was asking, you know, what's, what's great about your drink menu? And of course there's some Modelo and they also now have, I believe, taco cerveza on tap, which is, uh, the beer made by three sheep's brewery, specially for taco cerveza. And I believe that's very similar to like a Corona type beer, but the server at the time, she was like, we have a great v- menu of canned wines, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so at Trixie's, I know that they are really into creating this beautiful menu of wines, and they do the same thing here at Taco Cerveza, but it's canned. And they also have one red wine on draft. So I thought that that was really interesting—a very modern vibe.
0: Yeah, very hip. Canned wines has—they've been on my radar for a little bit now, and it feels so weird. Like even I feel weird about beer in cans because, mm-hmm. like, I grew up. My dad would drink Coors Light every day in mm-hmm. a can, um, and like. You you think about Bud Light in a can. Well, Coors right. Light is even worse than that.
2: Right, right. Um,
0: so I've always been aversive to cans. But then like I've been drinking um the Dark Honey Brewing Company stuff in cans lately.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and and now there's wine that you can get in that way. Uh-huh. And I've I've had a couple different ones. And I feel like they speak to me more because I I steer away from the the darker reds and the, mm-hmm. the more drier whites that's kind of in my wife's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I like the more fruit wines and the sweet stuff. And I feel like that's the kind of variety that you get in the canned.
2: Yeah. And rosé.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so cool. Definitely a, a, a much hipper, more modern environment there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the location is great. I mean, Stillwater was, was awesome because you could walk up and get a burger, uh, much in the same way that you can at Not Licked Yet. Oh right, But but tacos is such a good idea for that location.
2: Oh, yeah. And I I did forget to mention, they do have a shy dog taco, which um, was inspired by the Chicago dogs that Stillwater used to sell. So they had a lot of people coming up to them and saying, are you still going to sell the Chicago dogs? Because that was their favorite thing to get at Stillwater. So they created a taco with the hot dog. So I tried that and it was definitely... I will say it. You know, it tasted more like a a hot dog than a taco, but with the story behind it, I get why it's all tied together.
0: Sure. Uh, me and my wife went a couple times, and she got l- really into the menu, and she tried a bunch of different types of tacos. Mm-hmm. I stuck to the classico, just your standard taco, but like that was the thing that had to nail it for me. Yeah, right. Like if I, if they're gonna open up a taco place, I really wanted their taco to be great. Yeah, and it was. It awesome. was. One of the best I've ever had, probably mm. the best I've had in the county. Nice. Um, and I know that they're, the stuff that they're doing there is a little bit different than the stuff that you might get at Wickman House, too. Mm-hmm. So if you've had the tacos at Wickman House, it's still worth it to go to Taco Cerveza and try it out because they're mm-hmm. it's, it's
2: different. Right, right. Yeah. And the other thing I tried was the Elote dip, which is basically Elote is a Mexican street corn, which you can buy at street carts and it's essentially a corn on the cob lathered with mayo aioli type sauce so they created that with a chipotle seasoning and made that as a dip so that was also really good worth trying
0: yeah i had the chips and salsa their verde salsa was good Uh, but i also had the horchata and the churros their Mm -hmm. soft serve Mm -hmm. um so the desserts were awesome and pretty much everything i've had there i've enjoyed yeah uh and i think that you would be safe to order literally anything off the menu i would agree and you get something good
2: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) uh any any final words about taco cerveza if you hadn't had a if you haven't had a chance to go you should definitely check it out.
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, as if you're looking for that cool casual vibe where you can just pop in, you don't have to make plans too far in advance. You can just, you know, wearing flip-flops, you got your dog with you. It's a very open friendly casual patio
0: they're open uh wednesday through sunday Mm -hmm. i would recommend like wednesday right when they open (laughs) because they load up real quickly and maybe it was just fourth of july week was inflating but i mean they're they're very busy Mm -hmm. i got lucky each time to get a chair but you're not always going to be that lucky
2: worth the wait though yeah
0: So Aliyah, I know that uh, beyond this article that you're writing for this week's Pulse, you've also been researching cherries for a coming issue. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been digging into with that?
2: Yeah, I, I'm excited to be up here for this full season and I guess really take advantage of having all of these fresh cherries around me. So I stopped a couple places already to buy some pints of cherries. I stopped into Bee's Market and picked up some sauce there, but obviously there's so many markets up here that provide a lot of cherry products. So I'm starting to collect some of that and I'm looking at doing maybe a fresh cherries with pork chops and... Oh, I also had a slushy, a cherry cider slushy from Wood orchard market so that's a popular item especially on these hot days so if yeah. you're gonna go pick some cherries you can have a slushy and bring that along with you
0: yeah I live across from wood orchard and whenever my dad comes up to visit he's got to get their cherry donuts like oh, that's yeah. his thing that he I needs I saw those. Um, and cherry is interesting because I mean it's huge up here but it's also very versatile so yeah. I'm looking forward to see the different stuff that you kind of put together for it yeah. I mean you could do a series of articles on, know. <laughs> on all the different ways that you can use cherries we'll see um, are we fully in the season yet or do we still have another week or two it's to go? It's just
2: starting. Um, they are, Highline offers cherry picking currently, but I reached out to one a little bit further south, and it looks like they're starting July 14th. So I think right mid-July is when everything starts to really go into full swing. And as you, as you move north, you know, that season starts to start a little bit later just as you move north. So you'll, right. you'll see mid-July through mid-August really full force cherries.
0: Right. Is this your first time picking cherries in Door County?
2: Yeah, actually.
0: Cool. Yeah. It'll be a rite of passage.
2: Yes. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for chatting with us about food. Uh, I look forward to having you in down the line to check up on cherries and and more of the different stuff that you've been writing. Um, So thank you for chatting with me this week.
2: Yeah, definitely. Thank you.
0: These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit doorcountypulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.